Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. Let me just start off by saying sorry for being away for so long. The Dragon Bites team and I needed to take an extended break while we were recovering over Christmas. And then we've just been busy in the background recording a whole bunch of new episodes for you. But we're back now and we've got plenty in the bag. So it's time for us to get going again. And next up, this is our 100th episode. We've been going for 100 episodes now. Um, Thank you for all of our listeners who've been sticking with us this entire time. Um, There's not really much more to say about that, so I think we'll just get cracking. So, we're going to be kicking off our 100th episode by starting a new sub-series. This one's called Behind the Scenes. The idea is, is that as trainees, we really get a chance to have a look at what's happening behind the doors at the local school of paediatrics or even at the Royal College. So we want to give trainees a flavour of all the work that's done that we're largely unaware of. We're going to start that series off with this episode today. Myself and Dr. Rebecca Jones, another one of the Dragon Bites hosts, were lucky enough to interview Dr. Geraint Morris. Dr. Morris is the head of school of paediatrics for Wales, and he was kind enough to share his experience as the head of school and let us know a little bit about what his job involves. Anyway, let's get started. Welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at trainees and people interested in child health. Um, Today we're joined by Dr Geraint Morris, who's a consultant neonatologist in Singleton Hospital, Swansea, but who is also our head of school of paediatrics here in Wales. And we, we get to chat to him today about behind the scenes of his role as head of school. It'll be myself, Rebecca Jones, an ST1 in PEDS, um, interviewing with my colleague Asim, who is an ST6 grid trainee um, in paediatric emergency medicine. Um, So welcome, we hope you enjoy today. So hi, Dr. Morris, thank you for joining us today to chat about your role as head of school. I thought we could um, start with just getting getting to know you a bit and, just give us a bit of a brief overview of your medical career to date so we can get a bit of background as to what led you to becoming head of school, if that's okay. Yes, of course. And thank you so much, Rebecca and Asim, for asking me to join you for the podcast. It's a real pleasure to um, tell you a little bit of uh, something about my role as uh, head of school. Um, So going back uh, many years now, I, I trained at Cardiff. That was my undergraduate training. Um, and I've worked in various hospitals throughout South Wales and in Bristol as well before returning to Wales. Um, And then I got a consultant post at Singleton Hospital in Swansea back in the year 2000. Um, So um, that's, uh, um, in in summary, my my training. Um, In terms of how I ended up as head of school, um, I was a training programme director for a while, um, again, a few years ago, and then I kind of moved out of training and more into management when I became clinical lead and then clinical director for children's services in Swansea. 
before returning to um, my uh, teaching role by, by successfully getting this job in, in um, HEIW as head of school uh, nearly a year ago now. Um, so that's briefly how I ended up being head of school, Rebecca. Oh, amazing. So did you always know it was paediatrics that you wanted to do? Well, I, I suppose like a lot of other people, um, I can probably trace my interest in paediatrics back to being inspired by um, certain uh, consultants in particular. There was one consultant in Llandoc Hospital in Cardiff at the time when there was a paediatric unit there uh, called Roger Verrier jones and I did my paediatric student placement there with him. And towards the end of the placement, he turned around to me at the end of a clinic and said, oh, uh, you seem to be... Uh, reasonably good at paediatrics, maybe you should think about it as a career. <laughs> and I always remember that comment um, and um, all, always uh, sort of kept that in the back of my mind. But I didn't choose paediatrics initially. I went off and did a GP training scheme, actually, uh, after I qualified. Uh, but that comment always um, s- stayed in my mind. And when I did paediatrics, then as part of that training scheme uh, in Neath, hospital at the time. The hospital doesn't have a paediatric uh, inpatient unit anymore, but um, that's where I did my first ever paediatric job. And I was quite inspired by by my consultant supervisor there. His name was Brian Griffiths. He sadly died a few months ago, actually, um, and and retired shortly after I, I left the unit at Neath. Um, but I left the unit there in Neath then to do, to do a paediatric uh, post at Cardiff and I never looked back after that really. I loved paediatrics. I didn't want to do any other specialty and I I didn't, even though I enjoyed general practice, I didn't particularly want to go back into general paediatric, into general practice either. Um, So I stayed in paediatrics and uh, um, it it all sort of uh, uh, developed from there really. I don't know about you, Asim, but I can... uh relate to that like having inspiring people that mean that you want to stay in peds yeah it does always seem to happen at undergraduate level it was the same with my placement in Carmarthen that made me fall in love with paediatrics yeah it was it was a I always knew I wanted to do peds but Morriston for me so we've all had similar areas that have sparked that uh love for peds yeah which of course is is still of relevance now isn't it I mean uh, I think it's it's so important for us uh, as more experienced paediatricians and also as consultants um, to try and inspire uh, trainees to come through and inspire people even at an early stage uh, as medical students to consider paediatrics as a career. So I think that's a really important aspect of our work as uh, as paediatricians, isn't it? D- definitely. And um, what what do you think? I guess. This question maybe has two prongs to it. Um, what what do you find like most rewarding um, about doing your job? So not just as a consultant neonatologist, but I guess in being head of school, um, what what is it you find most rewarding about that? Well, well, there are lots of things I could say in answer to this question, but um, I suppose. The bottom line is when we do a good job of something, then we feel a sense of reward, don't we? Um, So it's always good at the end of a day or at the end of a shift to think that you've done a good job of something. 
that you've got into something really well and managed maybe a very challenging situation really well. And I find that even the most difficult clinical situations, so even you know things like the death of a baby or a, or a child and a very difficult uh, conversation to have with, with parents, even those really difficult situations uh, can give you a sense of reward uh, because by managing those situations well, you can uh, look back and think, yeah, it was you know, a worthwhile shift today. Uh, something that I, um, I've experienced very frequently, obviously, o- over the years, but um, something that we often lose sight of, I think. But it's important that I think we fr- reflect on those uh, challenging situations and, uh, uh, and, and obviously learn from them, but also, you know, have that sense of reward um, from maybe helping um, people in their state of vulnerability and, and just being in a situation where you can give a lot of help and support to people who are going through some of their worst experiences in life. So I, I would say that's maybe the, the, the greatest reward that I um, experience really, just doing a good job of something really difficult. Mm. Um, so that's as, maybe as a clinician more than head of school, but as head of school and maybe as a as someone who's been interested in postgraduate medical education all along, I, I really enjoy seeing trainees and younger colleagues, whether they're trainees or not, actually, um, kind of blossoming as they go through their career. Um, it's all, all, always very interesting and uh, very nice to see maybe younger colleagues who are starting in a new specialty and looking quite nervous and uncertain about everything. And then by a few months into that post, uh, getting the hang of it um, and really getting into into it and doing a, a really good job. And uh, I was recently talking to a, a consultant colleague of mine who started with us as a clinical observer, having come here from um, from India. And uh, she stayed in Wales uh, for her whole training. And I've kind of observed her career from a distance and seen her coming through now as a, as a consultant uh, in, in the same department as me. And uh, it's been really rewarding and very positive to see uh, younger colleagues coming through their training like that and, and really succeeding and blossoming uh, in that sense. So I think maybe as an educator, that's probably my, my greatest reward as well. I guess they both have similar themes in that, like, if clinically you're doing a good job and you know you get that positive outcome for a family and for a patient it's a similar thing like if as a trainer we're, and as colleagues we're doing a good job as working with others you can then get to see that positive outcome again it's just obviously one's a very clinical thing and one's more in a professional sense I don't know if I don't know if I've just made up a connection there but it's just it draws a few parallels I think yeah, definitely. And I think it's important that we kind of draw the reward from these um, situations as well and, and see the good in all of that because it's so easy for us to lose sight of that in amongst all the, the busyness and sometimes all the negativity that we face on a day-to-day basis as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's important to, to think about these things and um, reflect and, and, and see them as really positive aspects of our, of our work. Um, so I think you've spoken a fair bit about this. I just wanted to get a bit more of an idea about 
uh, you know, your your role uh, as head of school. So it's been a year now that you've been in this position. I was just wondering, um, you know, what 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 brought you into the position to begin with? What why did you apply and and, and want to join us as, as a head of school for for um, the Wales Deanery? Yeah, well, um, I, I, to be honest, I hadn't thought seriously about it for a long time beforehand. Um, and, and I was hoping to maybe have a, a slight uh, sort of take, take my foot off the accelerator a little bit in terms of my career because doing um, the, the clinical director post for many years is, uh, does take its toll on you eventually. And um, I was hoping to... Um, maybe step down from that and have a, a slightly easier time of things. But then the opportunity arose and some of my colleagues actually um, encouraged me to apply. Uh, so that was what first drew my attention to the role. And I think they, they sort of said to me that I'm a, a balanced and fair-minded person. So um, they thought that I would be okay as a, as a head of school. Um, and I guess it does, does present it, well, this kind of thing presents as an opportunity to use the experience that I'd gained in all of those environments, really, over the years to help and support uh, trainees and the training process uh, in Wales. So I thought maybe I've got something to give in that respect. And I, um, I prepared um, quite well, hopefully, for the interview and, and was successful in getting the post. Um, so... It wasn't a long time in the planning, um, but it was something that I was prompted to think about. And when, the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to do it. So, yeah. Thank you, Geraint. Uh, I suppose uh, what I want to get onto next. I, I, so the, the the main reason that um, uh, I was thinking of, of starting this sub series at Dragon Bikes, this. Um, uh, behind the scenes is I think a lot of trainees don't really understand the amount of work that happens both at a Royal College level and a local deanery level behind the scenes with all the members of our um, School of Paediatrics in, in, yeah. um, in how they get the training program together. So I thought it'd be really nice to speak to the various members of, of the of the School of Paediatrics so as we could get a bit of an insight into what happens for those who pro probably haven't thought about this before. So so um, what what does your role involve as head of school? Okay, well, um, the main role, I suppose, the main duty is to oversee the paediatric training programme in Wales. Now, paediatric training happens at in, in all different levels, and uh, I'm, I'm actually not responsible for some of that. So, for instance, the training of of uh, clinical fellows and um, medical training initiative um, uh, fellows and, and foundation trainees. So all of those people provide or, or, or give a, a fantastic contribution to paediatrics in Wales, but it's specifically the specialty paediatric trainees, the deanery trainees that I oversee. Um, so that's the main um, role. Um, I need to ensure that training is done in accordance with, um, you know, the statutory regulations that pertain to it. So, uh, and that's mainly under the control of the General Medical Council. So things like the Gold Guide, for instance, uh, and the curricula that are produced by the Royal College of Paediatrics 
have to be validated and rubber stamped by the GMC. Um, and they provide a statutory framework, if you like, for um, governing how training should happen in the UK. And my role is to ensure that paediatric training in Wales uh, is done according to those regulations. So what does that mean in practical terms? Well, I provide advice and uh, leadership for the Specialty Training Committee, which is the committee that oversees uh, training and uh, consists of a representation from all of the uh, stakeholders who are involved in training in Wales. Uh, so I chair that group. Um, I also provide uh, advice and uh, troubleshooting uh, functions, I suppose, in relation to trainees who might be in difficulty or who have um, issues with the training programme. And I, I suppose um, more important than maybe all of that actually is provide support for trainees and trainers um, in, in Wales so that their training can be optimised and that we can provide them with the best possible experience of training in Wales, both as trainees and as trainers. So I'm constantly looking for learning opportunities and trying to sort of communicate that to trainees uh, and also to trainers. And I think this kind of relates to what we said before, wasn't it, about trainers, that trainees really need knowledgeable and inspiring trainers as both supervisors and mentors, really, people that, that trainees can look up to and be energized by and, and so my role is certainly to help support trainers in Wales and try to improve the standards of training in Wales according to all of the sort of benchmarking uh, that we that we have available and I'm also responsible in that way as well for responding to um, trainee feedback and also to trainer feedback uh, certainly as part of the GMC annual uh, trainers and trainees surveys. Um, so that, I suppose, in a nutshell, is, is my role as head of school and some of the practical implications of that. That's really interesting, Geraint. I think from a, from a trainee perspective, it's often, I don't think we really spend that much time thinking about the support that our trainers need as well like we only really worry about the fact that we need to get through a training program and we don't think that the people who are providing that program need support of their own in order to make that program work better for us as trainees yeah no i i think it, it, it is important isn't it because you know i i mean for for the most part many trainees will not meet me face to face hence the the great thing about doing this podcast podcast and so i don't have you know that direct link that direct influence over a particular trainee but our link between the training program and the trainee is the trainer and uh, the clinical and the educational supervisors who provide training for the trainee and therefore you know the trainee's experience of training is very, very dependent on their relationship with their trainer. And I think that's something that um, I, I certainly want to support and, um, and help trainers with. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't want trainees to be in a position where they may feel that their trainer knows less about something than they do uh, or cannot offer that support in that particular element of their training. Um, which they, they, they opt to. So my job is trying to support both 
uh, aspects of, of training in Wales. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Geraint. Um, something else that you touched on um, when you were explaining your role there is, is the fact that you have to take into account um, um, the various positions and, uh, um, of the different stakeholders that are involved in our training. So I was wondering if you yeah. could tell us a little bit more about that. What, what other agencies and groups are involved that you need to liaise with and, and how do you liaise with them and bring their thoughts and, and elements into our, our training programme? Of course, yeah. So the main body, my employer, is Health Education and Improvement Wales, HEIW. Um, and this is a very uh, new uh, body in Wales which oversees training, not just in the medical specialties, uh, but in uh, nursing and other healthcare professional uh, areas as well. So um, that's the body that I work for and I'm responsible to. Um, so my line manager, for instance, is the director of secondary care in HIW, and I have a regular meeting with her uh, to keep myself updated on um, things that are happening on a wider scale in Wales. Um, and if I've got any difficulties that I need to escalate or um, uh, problems that I cannot deal with myself, then um, she is the conduit um, through which I, I, I do that. Um, so HIW has a very broad remit uh, over the, um, the training of, of healthcare, and healthcare professionals in Wales. And then the other major player, of course, is the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health. And the college <clears throat> is slightly different from HIW. HIW is the statutory body that um, has a duty to provide training for paediatric trainees in Wales. RCPCH... Uh, is a very important body that advises the deaneries and the GMC in matters pertaining to training. So the RCPCH will organise exams, as your train as as uh, trainees as our trainees will know. They will advise on um, professional standards and set curricula for um, training in paediatrics, and they will also obviously provide learning opportunities in uh, the form of modules and courses, etc. So they're another important player in the uh, paediatric uh, training scene in, in the UK. Those are the main two stakeholders, Asim. Um, but obviously, I, I, I will attend things like the uh, UK Heads of Schools meeting, in which I come into contact with heads of schools from other deaneries in the UK as well. Um, and so I can take ideas and uh, contribute to... Um, the paediatric training programs in, in other uh, de deaneries as well. So I'm a kind of bridge to what's happening in other parts of the UK uh, as well and, and com can compare and contrast and get fresh ideas from those contacts as well. I, su I suppose those are the main um, other stakeholders. There, there will be others like the, the CSAC chairs, for instance, in which with which we liaise at times of ARCP for those who are undertaking grid training in paediatrics in their, in their senior years. Um, but I suppose those are the main ones. That's really helpful. Thank you, Geraint. Um, uh, during my brief stint as, as a trainee rep, I found that one of the most difficult elements was I'd get um, a lot of feedback from trainees about different issues they were having. And I think a lot of trainees actually struggled to delineate the issues that, that you know which they i think they struggle to delineate which 
body is responsible for the different issues that they're having. So certain things are actually, you know, this is um, something that the Royal College has, has suggested we do. Other things come from the from um, HEIW. Other things are actually just a health um, a, a, a preference from the local health board. Um, and I think yeah. having it explained like that will be really helpful for trainees to listen to, so they can get their head around the idea that there are different groups that make different decisions that that influence how our training program works. That's really helpful. Thank you. I was just going to say that as a ST1, and having come from England and then found it and foundation training. I hadn't ever really thought, you know, you hear the names of these different bodies and we, you know, pay our membership, we have our supervisor meetings, but I don't think you ever think of like that wider interaction. So it was really helpful. I was just echoing what Asim said about how helpful it is to kind of actually have it spelt out that there's these different bodies that have to interact that are responsible for different things. So it was just a thank you. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. I, 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 it is a little bit more complicated than that, I suppose, because um, whilst HIW is the statutory body uh, that oversees paediatric training in Wales, I can imagine that it is very confusing for trainees, particularly as their employer is now NHS Shared Services Partnership in Wales, and they're hosted, the trainee is hosted in each of their placements by the health board. So there are lots of players involved, but... I guess in terms of training, whilst the health board is responsible for the delivery of direct training to the trainee, the oversight comes from HIW predominantly, with then advice and all the other aspects that I mentioned from the Royal College of Paediatrics. So maybe uh, I can summarise it like that. That's great. Thank you, Geraint. And I think that's a reasonable place to call it for this week. We'll continue that interview next week, but let me just say thank you to both Dr. Rebecca Jones and to Dr. Geraint Morris for recording this with us so far. Um, one further announcement that I want to make, and I'll probably make at the tail end of every episode coming from now on, is uh, we are launching a Patreon. So for those of you who are unaware, Patreon is a website where you can donate to content creators um, and the aim is to help cover our costs at Dragon Bites. and if you are interested at all please head to www.patreon.com forward slash Dragon We'll put that link up on our website and on our YouTube channel as well um, and there'll be more details for you there. If you feel like donating and helping covering some of our costs that we much appreciated. Anyway, that's all for this week. Join us again next week for another episode of Dragon Bites. <laughs>